It's Dan Waldschmidt. Welcome back to the Edgy Conversations podcast. As you know, this is the podcast for driven people with clear goals who want to be their best self. For three consecutive days, I've been in this studio, uh, picked up the microphone, sat down to record podcasts, looked at my notes, started recording on two of the three days, and then set down the microphone and just walked out. <laughs> and for some of you, you're wondering what? Um, I've heard all kinds of people give strategies on how to podcast, how to create content, how to write books. In fact, I can't seem to go anywhere recently where someone doesn't have an opinion about how a book should be written, the process to write it, and even someone telling me that, write a book in a weekend, you know? Uh, none of that seems to happen for me. If you haven't figured it out already, some 200 plus episodes into this podcast, several thousand articles into the Edgy Conversations blog, a book that sold half a million copies and, and I don't know, maybe some 30 million people plus who've read something that I've written. So you're in this community. Then you, you've gotten to know a little bit about me. And I want to tell you where that little bit you know about me comes from. It's a phenomenon that I call the boil over. The boiling over. And maybe I need a new sexy name for that, right? A new, more interesting, charismatic name for this. I was watching my son make dinner the other night. And my kids know a couple things really well. Uh, when it comes to cooking, they are either told they can make a Sammy. <laughs> or that's what we call a sandwich. Or they can, you know, make some sort of pasta dish. And I'm telling you, 14-year-old and 11-year-old boys uh, growing... Uh, thriving, uh, tall sons. They they love their pasta. And so they know how to make it. They go and get some spaghetti noodles or my uh, my uh, my oldest son loves penne. Is that how you say penne? Penne? He'll say, you know, he'll put on his fake Italian accent, penne pasta. You know, he'll go, he knows you boil the water and then you put the noodles in. And then, you know, I'm telling him, be patient, be patient, because they want to wait like 35 seconds. And I'm telling him you need like 10 minutes to boil. And then you take the, the sauce and you combine it and add some spices and grated cheese. And now you've got a pretty tasty dinner. Something always seems to happen when my sons cook. And that is that they absolutely destroy the kitchen. <laughs> which if I'm not quick to call them on, uh, it makes my wife pretty frustrated, especially when she's got, you know, this beautiful kitchen with multiple sinks and all this kind of stuff, stuff that, you know, it's a, it's beautiful for her. It's her, it's her playground. Um, and now her sons, uh, have destroyed it. But what's interesting, the part that gets the most dirty, I'll say the most destroyed is the stove itself. And there's an interesting phenomenon that happens, I've observed. It directly ties into how this podcast and blogs and how you can find room for radical candor. As my son is boiling the water, he'll, he'll add the noodles and maybe a little salt or something for flavor, maybe a little butter. Somewhere in that process, he'll step away from the pot. And he'll go about doing whatever 14-year-old boys do, easily distracted, right? As he steps away from the pot, you, you begin to watch the pot. And they say, don't watch a pot boil. 
uh, a watch pot never boils, but I'll tell you, it, it does. It does. And if you watch the pot, there's like a foam that begins to build up on top of the water. And the water's popping and crackling. Pop, 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 pop. It's just popping. And then the foam begins to build. And the foam reaches the edge of the pot. And then the foam begins to spill over the edges of the pot. And then it falls down to the burn and it kind of, it, it snaps as it hits the flame underneath the pot. And when the pot didn't have the noodles, water was just bubbling, but then you added a little something extra to it. And with the same heat, it bubbled over. I'm dramatizing mac and cheese, right? Spaghetti. <laughs> but I think the same lesson applies to everything we do. This podcast, to the reason why I couldn't record for a couple of days, to articles, to your life, is that for goodness to come out, you have to put goodness in. I think sometimes we just overlook this point. That's a very important point. You can't bubble over. You can't have goodness bubbling over. You can't have greatness coming out of you. You can't be radically candid with someone that needs your advice and insight and charisma and charm and passion when you haven't been putting that same thing into your soul. Do you feel it sometimes? Do you just feel the need, the want to like leave it all behind for like, not forever, but for a hot minute to just go sit on the side of a mountain somewhere and recharge. Does that, do you ever get that feeling? I do. You probably do, don't you? And I think that's like karma's alarm bell to say, you know, your, your, your tank is running towards empty. You're starting to go into the reserves, right? You're pushing out. You're pulling, putting out more than you're pulling in. And if you do that for a day or two, yeah, you're, you're probably fine. If, you might even be able to do it for a week or a two. Maybe when you're massively talented, you can do it for a month or two. I don't know. I don't know. But it requires you filling up. And how? Well, make sure you spend some time exercising. Read a book. I know that's overused, but there's a reason why we say leaders are readers, right? Because leaders read. They make time for reading. And by the way, leaders don't have magically more time than you do to read. They just make time for it. They understand that you have to top off the soul if you want potential and progress to come out the bottom, right? They just, these are the things that they know and embrace and cherish and hold fast to. So what are you doing to replenish your soul? As I begin to dig a little bit deeper into this topic of radical candor, I'm beginning to understand that despite the processes and the best practices and all of the, the magical advice that, that is given and shared by authors, that especially someone like Kim Scott, that it can't be used unless there's space for it to be used. A few years ago, when we bought this new house, 
we went away for about uh, three weeks to uh, my uh, a family's house. And while we were vacationing and enjoying ourselves, we had a work crew come in and um, tear up the floor and, you know, throughout the entire house and put in hardwoods and, and all this fancy stuff. Anyways, it, one of the things they had them do was they went into uh, uh, a room that we had kind of wanted a different design for and stripped out everything and turned it into a library with these shelves that go, you know, from floor to ceiling. And in that library, there are, there, there's, it's almost hard for you to believe when I say several thousand books, but it, but it has to be the truth. It has to, it's the truth. There's lots and lots of books. There's a problem now, a few years later, is that we're running out of space for books. And if you ever have one of those libraries where you've got like books at all angles, they're double stacked, they're triple stacked, like the, the shelf at the very top is is like, you know, you start stacking them horizontally, then vertically, then and like it's just, it's full and full and full of books and it's growing, right? At a certain point, you got to build a new library because you're out of space and that's this, that's the whole, that's the whole point of this discussion. Not that you read a book about radical candor, but that you free up enough space in your life so that you can, you can store what you learn about radical candor and then turn it into something magical that can be used on the other side. See that, that's it. That, that, that's the thing that we're that we're all forgetting, that we leave out, that we confuse and conflate, is that great advice isn't great because someone said it. It's great because it's used by us. The results are great. Are you tracking with me on that? Does that make sense? Oftentimes, especially when I'm doing consulting, I'll tell the people that I'm with, you can't, you can't even understand what I'm telling you. You're not a bad person, but you can't even understand what I'm telling you. And here's why your head's not in the same spot where mine is. Your perspective is different. Your outlook is different. Your energy level is different. You don't have capacity in your life to use the things that I'm telling you. And so I'll tell you what I'm doing and I'll even tell you how I'm doing it. And I'm not threatened that I'm telling you because unless you change, you're not going to be able to use any of this amazing stuff that I'm sharing with you. You tracking with me? Does, it, does this make sense? I hope so. It's a lesson that I'm beginning to learn in some powerful ways. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Deeply and truly, you will only be able to deliver value to others, right? When it bubbles out of you, when it bubbles over when it boils over, right? When you get in the bathtub and it splashes out because you got in, that's how you impact lives. That's really the only way that it's going to come out of you is when you put so much in, it's just got to come out. <laughs> when you do so much to keep yourself charged up, that it electrifies everyone else around you. That's it. That's the formula. It's not about squeezing more out of less. It's not about pretending to be something that you're not. 
None of that. It's about having a daily regimen where you make a difference. Now, perhaps no better story is applicable than the one that I, I love. And I was rereading this last night, and I'll share it with you now. The story of Shyam Lal, who was a poor 15-year-old teenager in Shashisgarh, India. And I may have said that wrong, but he lived in a village called Pajabahad. It was a village that was trying to survive. Subsistence farmers, they raised cattle, they raised crops in order to stay alive. And when I say remote, it was as remote as could be. Back-breaking, hopeless work that was passed down from generation to generation. Always in fear of a drought that would not just kill their crops and kill their cattle. It would wipe out an entire region of the country. What complicated this entire discussion was that they had no road to the outside world. They were completely shut off. When Shyam Lal's friends and family and leaders reached out to the government, the interior ministry basically shut them down and said, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for us to go build a road to the middle of nowhere. No roads meant you couldn't bring in any equipment to dig a deep well, which is what they need to stay alive. No medicine for their cattle who were dying or sick families. Most importantly, water. It was water that was in short supply. The little they had was pulled from wells that went dry all too soon, only to leave them with more disappointment and death. Here's where I think there's lots of value for us. At age 15, this little boy, Shyam Lal, decided to change things. And I think that's about the age when you don't have the baggage in your head that says maybe you shouldn't even try, right? He picked up a spade and began to dig, finding a spot in the forest that was more shaded than the open village living area. He picked up a shovel and just started to dig a hole. It wasn't a well. He was digging a lake. And that's what he told his friends and family. I'm digging a lake. Meanwhile, the other villagers laughed at him. Their voices ripe with scorn. If, if the government couldn't help them with its heavy machinery to move mountains of dirt, how could one boy do anything of value? After all, Shyam had to carry away the dirt each day by himself. He would put a stick across his back with chains uh, that would come down on each side. He would fill up plates that were attached to the chains with dirt. And with both plates swinging under his left hand and right hand as he held onto the stick that went across his back, he would carry the dirt away. It was impossible. Until you factor in the extraordinary power of his commitment. Shyam Lal picked up a shovel at 15 and started to dig. And his day of commitment to build that lake became two days, and then three, and then four, and then five. And then soon, when you looked around, Shamlo had been digging for a week. And then it wasn't just a week, it was two weeks, and then a month, and then months. And then months became a year. And one year became two years. And those years 
added up to a decade and one decade became two decades and then something magical happened. Really magical. As if that's not magical enough. Some some 9,874 days after he had picked up his spade on that first day to start digging a lake for his village, he stopped. He was 42 years old, and Shyam Lal had done the impossible. Where sand and trees and vegetation once covered the earth, there was now water. And not just a well of water, there was an acre of it, and deep too. It was a lake that was more than 15 feet deep. He started that 27 years earlier to save cattle and crops with no help from fellow villagers of the government. He just, he, he just did it. And I think that level of commitment is how we add the things to our life that can infect others in great ways. It's not 27 years in one statement. It's one shovel full of dirt at a time. That's it. One shovel full of dirt at a time. What are you adding to your life so that you have so much of it, it bubbles over and infects and incites and inspires everyone around you to be their best self? Hey, if you're looking to be your best self and you want to be around other awesome people who want to be their best selves... And you can't wait to just level up everything. Then you'll want to check out Awesome Palooza. Awesomepalooza.com. That's right. There's a URL, awesomepalooza.com. It's November 3rd. We are celebrating Awesome Palooza version 3, the third event, on November 3rd. So Awesome Palooza 3 on November 3rd is going to be a great day, a great experience, great people there, a great opportunity for you to level up, connect, commit, bring a spade, start digging, like, right? How can you build so much value in your life? It just inspires everyone else around you. Come get started. Come level up. Come get that fresh boost of energy. It's awesomepalooza.com. If you're a part of Edgy Nation, you know something awesome is happening. Your ticket is free. You're already in, and I'm excited to have you there. If you're not part of Edgy Nation, uh, you can learn about Edgy Nation when you're at Awesome Palooza. Meanwhile, go get your ticket. Come join us. It's going to be fabulous. See you there.